cards may not be the first thing that comes to mind when you think about the business of being creative. But y'all, that's where you would be wrong. And today with my amazingly interesting guest, Jennifer Sodini, I will show you why. I am Jennifer Perkins, and this is the Creative Queso Podcast. Every week, I chat with a different guest all about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. If you guys follow me through my Jennifer Perkins channels, you know that when I'm not talking about business, as of late, I am talking about Halloween. Just look up the hashtag HalloweenWithJen on Instagram and you'll see what I mean. That being said, I thought it would be fun to tie together my two worlds of Halloween and business podcasting and mix things up and do something a little bit different here. Usually, I'm talking with people that are fabric designers, illustrators, embroidery artists, scrapbookers, and more traditional creative business models, or what you would think of when you thought of a creative business owner. However, I'm spicing things up for the next couple of months with numerologists, astrologers, crystal therapists, and today I have a minty oracle card deck creator, Jennifer Sodini on. Ooh, this is a good one. Jennifer has been called a conscious media entrepreneur. Not only does she have the gorgeous Oracle card deck, which we talk a lot about, including ways artists, crafters, and creative business owners can use the deck, but we also address lots of other fun topics like why the rise in popularity of things like crystals, tarot, Oracle, and all things occult. Jennifer is a busy businesswoman traveling the world, speaking, creating content for her website, Evolve and Ascend, and soon she is adding podcast host to the list. I cannot wait for you guys to listen in as Jennifer bestows some ancient wisdom for the modern world on today's episode of Creative Queso. All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here with me today on the Creative Queso podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped. I've got lots of questions because you are an expert in a field I know very little about, which intrigues me. (laughs) So I'm excited. So you have your own media platform, a book, and you do a lot of public speaking, touring around. And I saw on your website, you're soon to have your own podcast. So all of those things, I saw you described as a conscious media entrepreneur. How do you feel? Do you think that definition like fits? Yeah, it's very hard to kind of put it all into one container or one label, but I think that's the closest to what it is that I'm doing. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because a lot of what you do is... It's not really a tangible, I mean, the Oracle deck is, but it's not necessarily like a tangible thing. Like, here's this thing I made and I'm selling it to you. It's more, it's all kind of abstract, I guess. Yeah. Which happens. All right. So let's start with the obvious question. I got introduced to you because of your Oracle deck. So kind of for those listening, like tell everybody what exactly an Oracle deck is. And I know it's different than tarot cards, but I think people are like, oh, cards in a box with pictures. (laughs) They're they're the same. I'm sure you get that all the time. 
Totally. And I love answering this question. So (laughs) (laughs) Oracle cards and tarot cards are two very different systems of self-inquiry. Tarot cards are uh, 78 cards, which are the major and minor arcana, which explore the fool's journey of coming to understand the way of the world. So there's always the 78 same cards. The art varies, but it's all exploring the elements and archetypes of what it means to be a human being. Oracle cards are more of the Rorschach test of the subconscious mind. So the Rorschach test is that ink blot. So it's like, you know, you can see an ink, a blot of ink on a piece of paper and some people may see a butterfly. Somebody else may see hip bones. It's all what your subconscious mind is projecting onto the image. So when working with Oracle cards, it's a way to tap into your subconscious mind so you can connect deeper to the present by seeing your thoughts outside of yourself. Um, the thing with Oracle and Tarot is that they're actually really complementary to one another. So if you did an Oracle card reading for yourself to kind of get the base outline of what it is I'm projecting into the world and what I'm being more, what I need to connect to to be more present, and they say, okay, let me dive deeper. Let me do a Tarot reading for myself. They can inform each other. So it's not like a one versus the other. They're both really great systems of exploration of the sub the self. Okay. Well, that was, I was wondering that, is it like, are people like of one school or the other, like, you know, Baptist versus Methodist? Like I didn't know, or if they kind of could work in unison with each other. I use them in unison and a lot of readers that I I connect with seem to do that as well. They're they're definitely complimentary. And, you know, you mentioned that Oracle or tarot cards are kind of basically the same thing on all the cards. So with Oracle cards, if they're different, Did you like come at your deck like I want him to be all about this. So if I bought another set of Oracle cards, they would be totally different. It's not like they would all have the same concept on each card. Completely. So for my deck, I base it around uh, an Egyptian principle called the 42 ideals of Ma'at. Some actually pronounce her name Mayat, but she is an Egyptian goddess or, I mean, the Egyptians refer to their gods and goddesses as netters, which loosely translates to force of nature. So basically her as an archetype is the embodiment of truth, justice, order out of chaos. And her feather is what your heart is weighed with in the Egyptian book of the dead. So if your heart is as light as the feather of Ma'at, then you can pass through to the next life. So when I was thinking of doing an Oracle card deck, because it's been such a big part of my practice, these 42 ideals felt like a really great exploration of life and death and consciousness as the base for prompts to create card definitions off of. But you can create an Oracle deck on anything. I mean, there's Oracle decks on crystals. There's Oracle decks on like unicorns. I mean, like you name it there that exists. I could come out with a craft one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like it. Okay. Oh, well, I was wondering too about the feather heart concept and where that came from. And I would really like that you used, you know, kind of Egyptian iconography and symbols and all of those things. I really like that in it. Thank you. So how did it come about that like something that you were passionate about and I read that your grandmother is who kind of passed this tradition down to you. Like how did it come about that a publisher reached out or did you reach out to the publisher, you know, and say like, hey, let's put this thing in a deck and get it up on Amazon and all the places like how did you go from step A to step B? So it was a series of synchronicities. Um, forever I've wanted to do my own Oracle deck because it's such a part of my story. And in the past I had, I'd reached out to different artists to see who might be a good fit, but it just, there really wasn't that, uh, chemistry with some of the artists I had previously reached out to. 
Then when, uh, one day I was on Instagram and I found Natalie, my partner, Natalie Miller, her art came up on this Instagram feed and I was like, who is this person? Oh my God, this art is hitting me in such a way I can't even describe. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I reached out to Natalie and I said, okay, listen, I've been wanting to do an Oracle card deck forever. I want to do it based off of the 42 ideals of Ma'at. I love your art. Would you want to collaborate and be partners on it? we immediately hit it off. So as we started working on it, my idea initially was to self-publish because I have a large online platform with Evolve and Ascend and, you know, have all like a pretty big network of people I could kind of collaborate with to, to foresee a successful launch. I thought, you know, self-publishing would be something that I, I, we could foreseeably do. But as we started working on it, all this magic started to happen. And when I used to do a podcast through Evolve and Ascend called Liberation Frequency, I was working with this publisher called Watkins, which is London's oldest esoteric publisher. So they'd mm-hmm. send me, they'd send me artists or authors and creatives to interview for the podcast and. I developed a really good relationship with their VP of publishing, which was a guy named John Tentera. So John had always said, you know, when I'm ready to publish something to reach out to him. So I said to Natalie, I'm like, listen, like, this is really good. Why don't we just shoot big and see what we can do? So I put together a pitch deck, sent it to John. John was like, Jen, this is really good. And I'm going to tell you this right now, as much as we'd love to publish it and we will, you need to get a literary agent, but it's because I think you could get like a mainstream publishing deal. I was like, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) For Oracle cards? Okay. (laughs) So, uh, then I had reached out to a friend of mine, Corey Allen, who wrote the foreword for a mentee and asked him, how he went about getting his book published because his book now is the way is actually coming out this month. Um, he introduced me to his literary agent and we hit it off. She had never sold an Oracle deck before, but loved the idea. And within two weeks we had a major publishing deal with running press. (laughs) Man, that is like kismet and fate and all the things. Totally. It's funny. It's like when those kinds of things start to happen and fall into place, you're like, I guess I am on the right track then. Like all signs are pointing to yes on this one. Completely. And it was just so weird because Natalie and I, you know, I'm, I'm really tall. I'm 5'10", Natalie's six feet. And we just have the same understanding <laughs> of just art and appreciation for beauty, but then love of spiritual, like esoteric things, but also the same kind of snarkiness about like, okay, well, we don't want to put out like a typical new agey, very beige thing. Mm-hmm. We want it to be kind of edgy and cool. But it was funny because when I connected her on Instagram, she was living in Chicago and one of her best friends, it turned out, was my downstairs neighbor of where I was living in Esperance. Oh my Park. gosh, that was bizarre. <laughs> Super bizarre. And then I think one of the things that really solidified, okay, we need to shoot for a publisher is that as we're working on it, having all these crazy synchronicities, a lot of weird psychic synchronicities, then all of a sudden I get gifted a trip to Egypt. (laughs) Kidding me? (laughs) How did this happen? That's so So. crazy. Like the universe, like does weird things sometimes. Yeah. And I was going to ask you that that is actually the next question is like, if the publisher put you in touch with Natalie or if you knew her first, because I mean, I love the whole concept of the feather heart. I love all your writing and I find all the backstory on all the Egyptian stuff so interesting, but I also like love her graphics. Like Every single card, I'm like, and I want a tattoo of that, and I want a tattoo of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's so amazing, all of it. 
Yeah, she uh, she and I connected through divine synchronicity. And it's funny because the platform that I found her through at that time, it was just like not even a, a site that I liked. And they were just sharing her art. And I was like, oh, weird. Like just weird. There, uh, everything was just divine timing. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. We And she's just the perfect person for it. Like, cause like you said, her interpretation of it, because I think like Oracle decks and new agey things, like you can quickly go, like, don't get me wrong. I love the artist way, but you can quickly go that, that kind of route, you know, like, and yours looks very like hip and cool and the colors and it's a perfect combination of things. Thank you. Yeah. No, it really had to, had to be Natalie because our process was so unique because I, I literally, when we agreed to do the project together, I was like, listen, like, I trust your judgment. Like, I will write the card definitions and I just want you to draw how it makes you feel. So it was an exercise in trust. And in that trust, just so much magic happened. Well, and it's such a personal thing. I would think, you know, for you, like... you would just have to have the perfect person to team up with to like allow to be a part of this. Totally. So, okay. So, um, so how might someone in a creative, like, like, let's say someone like me, who's a creative entrepreneur, like how would someone like myself use an Oracle deck or, you know, a set of Oracle cards? I know they're kind of about recognizing like patterns and symbols and things that keep coming up, but like, you know, since my podcast gears at the creative entrepreneur, how might Sally, the uh, seamster, best use an Oracle deck for herself and her business? That's a great question. So there are many ways that you can use it. And basically, you it's like a choose your own adventure game, right? So you can pull a card for the day and say, okay, what do I need to tap into to find more creative flow in my life? And then you pull a card and then say the card that you get is I benefit with gratitude. So how I'd use that for the day is to be like, okay, I'm going to bring in more creative flow to my life by releasing where I might have creative blockages by letting go of things that aren't serving me and connecting to what I feel grateful for. So writing out a gratitude list, thinking about all the things that inspire you and make you feel good, that can open up kind of the portal for more creativity. Or if you are working on a project and want to get kind of glean insight of how to further inform that project. So let me see, like I'll pull three cards and ask three questions about them. So what do I need to focus on? What is the best outcome possible for this project coming into the world? So every answer that you get really is um, dependent on the questions that you ask. So I mean, really, like we all have questions about what it means to be alive and to be here and how to best be productive and feeling in total flow with what we're putting out into the world. So using it as a way to kind of find prompts for deeper insight is really good. And even just Mm -hmm. for creative prompts. So say you're an artist and you just are kind of pulling not really in a space of flow and um, maybe feel like blocked creatively. You could pull a card and say the card is, um, I'm going to pull a card for the day and this is what I'm going to draw based around. So you say you pull a card that's I embrace the all. So how would you interpret what the all of everything is to you through your creative project, through your painting, through your drawing? I mean, there's just endless ways to use it. No, I love that as a, as a prompt because, you know, as creatives, we all like run into like, block. And for me, like a real, one of my favorite ways to get out of a creative block is to use something that's like a prompt, you know, where you're just like, I don't have anything to craft about or draw about. And then, you know, if if I have a prompt, I'm like, okay, I can do it. So 
that's a great idea. And I didn't think about going at it like with, how shall I say this? Like with a question as opposed to an intention. Do you know what I mean? I guess what those two can both be used when you go with the Oracle deck. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Questions or intentions or mantra or uh, prompt. Really, that's the beauty of the Oracle is that it's it's malleable to what your intention is to use it with. I love that. Yeah, it really does seem to be like whatever, whatever you want it for in that day, like that's the way you use it. Totally. So, all right. So yeah, today, this morning I woke up. Do you typically do like the, like pull one, pull three, pull four? Like what's your, I know you say in your book, but like for everybody listening, like what's your like go-to? So sometimes when I just need some insight for the day, I'll, I'll just pull one and say, what is the overarching theme of my day? Or what do I need to listen, listen to? more deeply. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the card. Or if I'm pulling cards for the week, I'll do the four card spread, which is what I, I do also with my grandma's Oracle. But I also, I use a mentee with my grandma's cards and I'm really loving this other deck. Um, these two other decks by an artist named Marcella Kroll. They're the nature nurture Oracle and the sacred symbols Oracle. So I'll use all of them and weave a big storyline together. Ooh, I like it. Just informing each other. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that. Like, if you have that in my notes, like, could you like meld in like all of the things like, you know, the phases of the moon? And then I see, you know, crystals in a lot of the pictures of the cards like you can kind of do all of the things at once, really, and make it make it a bigger story. Completely. You can create your own vision board with your Oracle deck too. So if you have a deck that's all about moon phases and then you have a deck that's about crystals and you have the Amenti deck, you could literally ask, you know, what phase of the moon should I work with and what crystal should I work with to connect deeper to the energy that's most needed in my life right now. So then you just form three questions that inform all three decks and then you get your answers. Oh, I like this. I haven't thought of that. Yeah. I think like probably for like a a newbie like me, like I have an easier time digesting like one at a time and like kind of, you know, really going deep on it. Then sometimes I think probably too, since I'm a Libra, like then I go into that, like, have I shuffled it enough? I don't know. Like, I feel like I have, but maybe I haven't. And then like picking the cards, do you know what I mean? Is it this totally. one? Is it this one? Is it that one? You know? <laughs> because I can't make a decision to save my life, which is my own issue and problem but you know then then when there's the three that I'm like do I read it this way or is it trying to tell me to go this way so I'm an overthinking neurotic so sometimes for people like us I think like one <laughs> is maybe better totally sometimes <laughs> less is more <laughs> exactly yeah this morning I think when let me see I wrote it down what I drew I wrote I pulled achieve I achieve with integrity I advance through my own abilities and I create harmony and I thought it was interesting that like since I've receive the deck you know and there's a oodles of cards in there but I pull very often the I, I advance through my own abilities which is just weird since I you know am basically a creative entrepreneur I love when that happens that happens a lot too where it's funny when I'll do a reading and all three decks will be a similar theme and I'll pull again and it'll be like the same card. So the card I get most often is I am forgiving. And that has been a big, big, big theme for me over the last few years is just like forgiving what was being more present with now, 
you know, it's ironic because, you know, I, I, I live my life with my heart as my compass, but sometimes I can have the heavy heart, you know, I'm a sensitive being and I, I hold on to, to things sometimes longer than I'd like. So having that reminder to forgive and to let go and to just be love. I mean, I get that card all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that happens. It's like, man, why do I keep pulling this card every time I'm like, I'm done. I'm just going to get a regular day job. Like I can't, I can't do this freelance gig anymore. And then I pull that card. And I'm like, okay, like somebody's trying to tell me something. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So why do you think there's been this like rise in all things spiritual? You know, there was a time when it was more taboo than it is now, you know, and I still live in Texas. So things like Oracle decks could, you know, in my hometown would raise a few eyebrows, but now it just seems to be much more widely accepted. Why do you think that is right now? Well, uh, I could give the esoteric answer. I could give the, <laughs> the basic answer. <laughs> give them both. Give them both. Okay. I want to hear them both. <laughs> so I'll start with the, the denser answer. So I, I believe that in times of great change, when things start to feel like we are, things are getting denser, the world is changing. Uh, you know, every day you turn on the news, there's something something really challenging or heart heart wrenching and uh we feel like we're almost in this time of being tested i think that the darker things get the brighter people want to burn and the more that they want to feel a connection to something greater than what's happening now mm-hmm. so this rise in it's like this uh, spiritual renaissance uh this renaissance of connecting to something greater than self and i think it's because we are living in this space of a lot of adversity right now People want to feel like there's more, that there's more to just what we're seeing happening now. We want to feel like we have agency over our own lives. Um, I feel like that is part of the, you know, I, I, I'm of the school of thought that time isn't linear, that time is cyclical. And I think that there's a cycle of time that repeats itself where things get darker before they get lighter, things get lighter and then they get darker. It's just this continuation of a cycle. So I think, you know, since 2012, which was like a really pivotal year for me. And for a lot of people, it's been this like year of like, that was the year that we woke up and we're like, Oh, something, something just, I need to step greater into myself and I'm not going to participate in this illusion of whatever, whatever construct of reality that's kind of happening right now. So I think that that has only sped up since then. And, you know, what it means to be a witch really is just to be a, a woman in her power. I don't identify with the word witch. To me, it, it's just not, again, like talking about putting yourself in a container. It doesn't feel like the container for what I practice and am. Mm-hmm. But it's just really all boils down to people stepping into their power and, and feeling powerful in a time where I think a lot of us feel powerless. I love that answer. You know, and the funny thing is, is I find that the same way with um, like crafts and creativity, like when, you know, when things seem really dark in the world, you know, in politics or things going on, people tend to, in my industry, really step into that too. And, you know, whether it be baking or painting or crafting, you know, they just kind of like turn to this like creative thing. And I didn't think of it as like stepping more deeply into themselves and tapping into these other things. Like they, the two seem to go hand in hand in a lot of ways. 
Totally. I, I mean, I, I, I really believe that creativity, regardless of where you fall on the spiritual spectrum, to be a creative and to be actively creating your life, that is such a high expression of spirituality into form because you're literally channeling an idea and making it tangible. You're taking a thought and turning it into a thing. What is a greater spiritual power than that? Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> than creation. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, it's just, it's funny because like I said, you see two, not even two, but like four or five years ago, it would be like a crystal. Like, what are you doing with that rock? And like now it's like, you know, it seems to be having such a moment, which I think it's great because I think it's exactly what you said. I think it's people just getting in touch more with their, you know, with spirituality and something greater than themselves and all the other things. Cause we all need that right now a little bit. Totally. Even if, I mean, the, the placebo effect is, is powerful. You know, we've seen scientific studies of on like what placebo can do and really what does that prove us that the power of mind over matter is very strong. So even if these things just act as tools for us to believe in ourselves and to believe that we can and to, to feel confident in our power of mind and person, then the, it's a good thing ultimately. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) It's a good thing. So you're, you know, obviously you have a lot more things going on than just your beautiful deck. So tell me a little bit about Evolve and Ascend and what that is and all the things like I was going through the esoteric encyclopedia section because I'd been having a conversation with a friend not long ago about the Akashic Records. And I was like, I wonder if that's in the encyclopedia. (laughs) And of course, there it was. I was like, oh, so tell everybody about that, about your website and that whole thing. Cool. So I started Evolve and Ascend in the summer of 2013. Before that, I had worked in pop culture and then a series of uh, interesting happenings happened to kind of wake me up and connect me deeper to what I had always loved, which was this idea of, um, you know, I, I, my byline for the Evolve and Ascend is the Library of Alexandria, where the Library of Alexandria meets Andy Warhol's factory. Mm-hmm. So this I love that tagline. Thank you. (laughs) This is this combination of exploring esoteric realms of consciousness, but then infusing art and pop culture. So when I first started it, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to create it because again, like at that time, it was crazy how fast things change from 2013 to now. But in 2013, there really was just a handful of of spiritual esoteric blogs. It, It was just not as in vogue then. Mm -hmm. So when I was creating it, I was like, I want to see this exist in the world and I want to create something that takes esoteric information, which can at times be dense, but make it tangible. So when I first began, I was also doing a lot of esoteric film analysis where you know, kind of like breaking down the esoteric symbolism in pop culture. So like uh, a lot of people didn't realize that the dark crystal is actually just a big beautiful metaphor for unity consciousness. So what does that look like? And what does that mean? And how did Jim Henson hide these symbols in it? And people used to love it. <laughs> so um, I, I saw you mention like the Jodorowsky and all the other stuff on the, on your blog. I was like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this combination of art and esoterica was, was my passion. And, uh, through power of will and power of heart that grew exponentially over the last six years and uh it's a self-sustaining ecosystem where we still i'm not pumping out as much content as i'd like right now but still adding to the esoteric encyclopedia all the time but we have a really great facebook community where 
I truly believe that collaboration is how we'll all grow and evolve, especially as creatives. So the Facebook page is an ecosystem of other collaborators that have similar content and art and creativity and just endless inspiration. I need to join. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get in there and ask all the questions. Totally. Please do. So is this... Is this your full-time job doing, you know, between the deck and your website and speaking and the upcoming podcast is, is this you all the time now? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of surreal to say, cause it took so long to get here, but this is, this is, this is me. This is what I do. This is, I don't want to say who I am because I think who we are each is infinite. And, uh, again, hard to put into one container or box, but mm -hmm. this is, this is what, this is what I do. I love it. So if for somebody that was, cause you know, as we, as you just said, it's all kind of gaining in popularity. And I know here in Austin, <clears throat> excuse me, I see more and more people that'll be doing readings or charts or, you know, taking or photography or, you know, whatnot. So for someone kind of headed down, this career path like do you have any like suggestions or like thoughts on like how they could you know make it a full-time gig for themselves or at least a decent side hustle totally so um some important things that i will impart to people wanting to have this as a career path is before diving into it to set a clear understanding of what your offerings are and what you want to charge for your time and stick to that. Uh, having boundaries is really important and identifying the before you start into any endeavor is really, really important. But within this space, there's going, there's a lot of people that want to just pay you an exposure. So oh, yeah. <laughs> in my industry too, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to set your firm boundaries of where no, it's okay to say no and to have faith in what you're creating is of value and to know that there are people out there who will value your time and compensate you for that. Uh, just having enough strength to set a clear boundary to understand what your offerings are and to not waver from them. And there will be opportunity where, okay, maybe this is something where it'll be a good trade or a good barter, but if it doesn't feel aligned or if somebody's just coming at you with the exposure thing, don't be afraid to say no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you also, it's important to find your community. So my community when I started Evolve and Ascend, community was crucial. It was everything. So it was like finding your like-minded uh, collaborators, your ecosystem of people to work with. So who is that? What does that look like? Get really clear on the people that you want to call in because the way to really grow, again, is through collaboration and to finding people to, to support you. So say you want to be an Oracle card reader and then you have a friend that runs monthly events. How can you support the event by offering Oracle card readings? And then how can the event support your Oracle reading? So it's like finding ways to cross pollinate so everybody can grow together. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like the community over competition thing is like, that is, should be a guiding light for almost any industry you're in, whether, you know, you make you make soap, you paint pictures, or you, you know, create Oracle decks. So exactly. I love it. Good ones. Okay. So you also have a podcast coming out. So talk podcast to me. Like, oh my gosh. when's that going to happen? I'm so excited about this. So uh, my podcast is going to be called Radio Amenti, and it will be launching on October 10th. Basically, 
uh, when I used to do podcasts through Evolve and Ascend, I did about 20 episodes of Liberation Frequency. And I love conversation to me. Just I can talk for hours about everything. (laughs) It's such a fun medium of media, but I got really burnt out from doing liberation frequency because there'd be certain times where, you know, I I did, I'd do an interview and not really vet who I was interviewing. And it just didn't, it wound up not feeling good towards the end. Cause I'm like, God, this is hours of my time and I'm not feeling great about it. Yeah. (laughs) So when I decided to do the new podcast, it's really going to be a conversational format. And it's not just calling in people that work in the spiritual space. It's calling in creatives, visionaries, you know, people that are activists, people that really want to see change in the world, but then also just friends. So my first few episodes, um, you know, our first episode is going to be obviously Natalie and I telling the story of how we came to be. But I also have Damian Eccles coming on the show. I don't know if you're familiar with his story. His, that name is very familiar. So he was one of the West Memphis Three. That, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I do. And his story is unbelievable. We'll talk about just such a kind and gracious person after being in jail for 20 years for something oh he didn't gosh. commit. As someone who grew up in a very small Texas town looking exactly like he and his friends, that movie like resonated with me so much. Yeah, he's he's a really beautiful human being. But he's going to be on it. Uh, we have a lot of my friends that are musicians are coming on. So I have about uh, seven episodes done before I launch. I'm hoping to have 12 in the pipeline, but it's really going to be conversations on what life means and what the role of the creative is during this time. And just, you know, sharing, sharing how we all feel about what's going on in the world in a really know, empowering way where you feel also like you're not alone in the world. Like you're just sitting in a, in a room with a bunch of your friends and hearing everybody talk life and <laughs> feel inspired. <laughs> I love it. Those are always my favorite podcasts. Like I think it took me a, a little bit to figure out like with my own podcast, like, you know what, I'm just going to start having guests that like I'm curious about and I'm interested in and I'm going to ask them all the questions that if I just like met them at a party that I'd want to know, you know, so those are my favorite kind to listen to. And like, the way I like to have my conversations as well. So totally. I cannot wait to tune in and listen. I will link to it in the show notes. Thank you. So we're going to wrap up here with just a, with just a couple more questions. One thing I wanted to ask you about that I should have touched on earlier, but I wanted to go back to your grandmother who taught you this. So where did your like grandma learn this? Like, I'm just trying to picture like, either of my grandmas, like they wouldn't even, they wouldn't know what Oracle or Tarot was if it bit them in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) My grandmother was definitely ahead of her time, but her mother was in the female sect of Freemasonry, which is called the Order of the Eastern Star. Um, But I, I don't know how much of that had a direct influence on my grandmother's proclivities, but my grandmother was a very free thinker, very much into, um, the occult and loved kind of the darker side of things like very much into like witchcraft and demonology and read a lot of Aleister Crowley. But I think where it all came from was that my grandmother was very, very smart woman and she got pregnant with my father right out of high school. And I think in another timeline, if she hadn't gotten pregnant and married to my grandfather and started her family, she probably could have wound up becoming a doctor or, you know, an academic. It Mm -hmm. was just at the time, 
that was just what what you do you know you get married you have kids and this is this is it so uh, the end yeah <laughs> so i think her turning to these things was a way of finding some sort of control over a life that maybe she didn't feel like she had control of previously so to her art and culture and consciousness was so important and we would just sit and uh you know, I don't know where she got the deck from. I don't know if it came from her mother. Unfortunately, my grandmother died when I was 12. And, you know, I just, I didn't think to ask that back then. But we would just sit at her dining room table and she would flip all the cards so that they'd be um, with the backs up and have me flip them over. And we would just practice. And she'd be like, well, what does this mean to you? How does this tell a story to you? What does this make you feel? And because... She so she really did not like the Catholic Church. She had like a vendetta against them. <laughs> <laughs> so part of it too was just being like, "You are powerful. Nobody can take that power away from you. The Catholic Church is corrupt, and religion's corrupt, and you need to be a free thinker. And uh, art and culture and creativity and, and your own power is the most important thing." Interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I grew up, my dad was like, I think somebody once tried to make him an altar boy. And so like my whole life, like if I ever mentioned wanting to go to church, it would be like, why would you go there? That's a farce. And there, I can remember as a child, him going like, there's freedom of religion and freedom from religion and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes, sometimes those Catholics, those ex-Catholics, like they get hardcore about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was that set her off, but I mean, this is like crazy because this is before internet and stuff. And she would just be like the Catholic church. They're all like, you know, just taking money and whatever. And she would just go on tirades. My grandmother had a lot of opinions and wasn't afraid to share them. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like an amazing woman though. I gotta she tell you. <laughs> just um, imagine like, um, she had like a Kathleen Turner voice. She actually kind of looked like Kathleen Turner, which oh, is funny. This makes it even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to paint a picture. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. Grandma with like that growly, smoky voice, like teaching you the cards. Like, I love it. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So a couple last questions for someone just kind of like starting to dip their toe into all of this, you know, into the world of sage bundles and crystals and tarot and everything. Who are some people to follow on, say, Instagram? Obviously, besides yourself and Natalie, like, who would you like direct people towards? So if you're really interested in the tarot, I feel like Biddy Tarot is a really great way to dip your feet into this ocean of wisdom. She has done such a great job of compiling all the wisdom of the tarot, creating tools and teachings to make something very esoteric, less esoteric. Is it Biddy, B-I-T-T-Y? B-I-D-D-Y. Oh, B-I-D-D-Y. Okay. And I actually believe that her deck was put out through Running Press as well. So we share a publisher, um, which is a funny synchronicity. But Biddy Tarot is really great. Uh, if you really are into astrology and uh, more like the magical witchcraft side of things, I love the Hood Witch. Uh, her astrologer, Lisa Stardust, is really just lovely and a really eloquent writer. And their feed is filled with endless inspiration. And uh, who would be the third the third that I would recommend for insight? There's, there's so many and so many like books and... Yeah. So for books too, um, as far as tarot, 
I really, I, I mean, it's hard for me to recommend like the more like basic stuff because I always go to the esoteric, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I love Yodorowsky and Yodorowsky's approach to tarot and magic is really great. So anything by Yodorowsky, like on psycho magic or him exploring the tarot is really good. Um, my, the school of thought I resonate with most is something called theosophy, which is kind of like this idea of co cosmic consciousness and there's no religion higher than truth. Mm -hmm. But there's this man, Manly P. Hall, who wrote a book called The Secret Teaching of All Ages, which is a humongous book, which is like the original esoteric encyclopedia. And it's filled with art and wisdom. And no matter what school of thought you're coming from, I think you'll find something to relate to. So The Secret Teaching of All Ages by Manly P. Hall is amazing. And anything Manly P. Hall is great. Like he reminds me of like the grandfather, the kind grandfather I never had. So I could just literally listen to him talk for hours. <laughs> I'm furiously taking notes. <laughs> Not that I can't listen back to this, but I'm just that note taking person. Those all sound mm -hmm. awesome. So when you say, I'm obviously saying his name wrong, Yodorowsky, you're talking about the same guy, like the Holy Temple, like the film guy? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Okay. I don't think I realized he did like writing stuff. Well, okay. Oh, yeah, he does. And he actually, I mean, all of his stuff on YouTube is in Spanish, unfortunately, because I was, I was trying to find a clip of him talking and it's like all in Spanish, but he teaches the tarot and he uses the Marseille deck. So Rider, Rider Waite is the typical deck that most people would be familiar with, but then there's another deck called the Marseille. There's just all these different fractals of, of consciousness around tarot, but um, he's really interesting just because if it, since this is a podcast for creatives, I think following Yodo's approach approach is really interesting because he is such a creative and is channeling this into such profound works of art and film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just the other day, like Santa Sangre came up in my uh, other films you might like to watch. And I was like, man, I haven't seen that one in a long time. Like, so good. <laughs> I do need to rewatch that guy and get inspired. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So totally, completely off topic of all of the things we've talked about. But something I ask everybody is, if I were to come and see you, where would we go have queso? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. So I actually, ha I've been a vegetarian forever, but uh, I've been trying to really stick to being a vegan. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a really great uh, vegan restaurant by me called Luna Verde and they have great vegan queso and it's, uh, it's adorable. So I would, I would say we'd go to Luna Verde, which is great because that's a uh, green moon. Yum. I love it. And I've, I'm dying to try all these. Like a lot of people have been recommending vegan quesos to me. So there's like a brand and I want to say they're from Texas called Siete. Do you know them? I don't. And they have um, a cashew queso that several people on the podcast have recommended to me. That sounds mm -hmm. delightful. That sounds really good. I love Daya. Their stuff is really good. Mm -hmm. All the substitutes are great. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not like one of those judgy vegetarian vegans. I've just I'm not but <laughs> it's good to know that there's a lot of options out there and uh wherever wherever you fall on the dietary spectrum there's, there's good stuff <laughs> exactly well I love it and I and I would love to come and see you and talk about all the things at the green moon it sounds perfect amazing well thank you so much for coming on Jennifer and spending your morning with me I appreciate it Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, this has been lovely, and I'm just happy to support. Hooray! Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Have you ever pulled from an Oracle deck? 
I bet you feel inspired to now. The Aminti Oracle deck is as beautiful to look at as it is interesting to read. It's like a mini Egyptian history lesson, choose your own adventure game as Jennifer says, and illuminating insight all at once. I'll link to the deck in the show notes, but remember you can always go to amazon.com backslash shop backslash Jennifer Perkins and find a one-stop shop of all the books in Oracle decks from all of my creative queso guests. Find out more about Jennifer Sodini on Instagram at Jennifer Sodini. That is S-O-D-I-N-I. And she is also at Evolve and Ascend. I will link to both of those in the show notes as well. If you love this episode and want more talk of spirituality with a creative, check out my conversations with illustrator Ann Shen, the author of Bad Girls Throughout History and Legendary Ladies. We go heavy woo-woo. Ed Roth and I chat about his stencil line getting into the aisles of Target, but also a few of our favorite spiritual things. Remember to please subscribe, share, rate, review, and one of my favorite methods is seeing you guys screenshot and share the podcast in your Instagram stories. Always makes my day. Thank you again to my guest, Jennifer Sodini, and thank you to Mariah Gossett for producing, Chris Beck for the music, and you guys for listening. And remember, if you want to hang out all week, that's fine by me. You can find me on Instagram at Creative Queso or at Jennifer Perkins, and I will see you guys next week week.